In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, please don't take this personally, but how do you react when somebody starts a conversation like that? You know what's coming next, right? Yeah, it's something they want to lay on you, some constructive criticism. Of course, they mean that it is personally about you, but they just don't want you to get all bent out of shape, get your feelings hurt, or even lash out at the messenger. You know. Both the crowds on Palm Sunday and the religious leaders in Jerusalem that whole week would have liked to have told Jesus something like that. You see, when he entered Jerusalem the Sunday before Passover, uh, the people wanted to make him king. He heard their hosannas, save Lord, that's what hosanna means, but he answered them in obedience to the Father, not to encourage any more praise. Don't take this personally, Jesus, but we would hope that you'd take the throne. The religious leaders on the other hand, saw him as a threat to doing anything like that, threat to their power. Don't take this personally, they might have said, but you've got to stop challenging the status quo or we're going to stop you ourselves. And they eventually got Pontius Pilate to do that for them. But that was exactly how Jesus would take personally the will of his heavenly father the other person of the Trinity beside him and the Spirit. And therefore, God has highly exalted him, and now we have become his subjects, bending the knee. My friends, when the Palm Sunday crowds were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David, Jesus knew they were hoping for a piece of the action if he'd only overthrow the Romans. He was also aware of the opposition of the priests. He could see the betrayal already taking shape in Judah's heart, and he knew the shallow commitment of the others. But nothing stopped him from standing up in their midst, revealing himself as the savior they actually had not recognized at all. He intentionally did what he had to do. He unconditionally loved all those misguided people around him, and he sacrificially went to the cross. If ever there was a clear view of why our prayers are answered differently than we wish, here it is. Jesus did save the people and us, but in exactly the opposite way they'd hoped. Mark records that they added the lines, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, to Psalm 118, which they were all chanting to each other on their way up to Jerusalem for Passover. And yet even amid that triumph, Jesus, like the calm center of a hurricane, sat on a humble donkey and said nothing. In his obedience, he had to let Judas betray him. The disciples leave him and Pilate execute him. He even had to die before the centurion alone realized who he really was. For Mark's gospel, the centurion's confession, truly this man was the son of God, 
is the high point. You see, when Mark begins his gospel, it reads, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It took the entire life of Christ to get to that point. Before then, only angels and demons knew what he was really like. That could, they could understand it. My friends, this is not a day to focus on a, a certain type of problem we might have. Rather, today we contemplate the solution to every problem that we have ever had as far as the rest of the world, too. It's absolutely nothing. Neither temptations from the enemy nor the well-intended praise of his followers, nothing stopped Jesus from doing what was necessary for us for all eternity. As he moved steadily toward the cross, again, nothing stopped him from fulfilling God's, that is, his own promises to save his people and to share the great wealth of his overflowing, undeserved love and forgiveness. Found a story in my files as I suddenly had to figure out that I was filling in today. And it's about a man who uh, won the lottery and what happens with his family. Uh, bear with me as I read it. The family gathered anxiously. Their long-lost cousin had won the lottery. He was worth millions, and they all knew it. They also knew they hadn't treated him very well in the past. No one had dared to contact him because it would look like they were only being nice for the money, which was actually true. But he had called them together, promising that he was going to share the wealth with all of them. As they talked among themselves before his arrival, just like him to keep them waiting, they confessed that they hadn't been fair to him. He lived at some distance, and so they didn't invite him to every function. He never married, so they didn't think about him when parts of the family would go places designed for the kids. Even though he was only a phone call away, they figured he wasn't all that interested in their daily boring lives anyway. Worse, they didn't want to admit that there had been some strife among parts of the clan. He seemed above all that. Come to think of it, he seemed so distant, few could remember what he looked like. And then after hearing all that, Cousin Chris stood up, revealing that he'd been in the room all along. How embarrassing. Most of the family feared he wouldn't go through with his promise. Now he knew that they didn't deserve it. They held their breath collectively, and then a few tried to stammer out, we didn't mean to slight you, but they needn't have worried. The money was already in their bank accounts. I didn't decide to share my good fortune with you because you were better than the average family, but because you're my family, my family, he said, and I love you. Their eyes welled up with tears out of sadness for how they treated him, out of relief that nothing stopped him from his plan, and out of joy for the new lives he'd made possible. Just tell me, he went on, now that you know I'm not going to take it away from you, how are you going to use all that I've given you? God's love is like that. It is intentional. 
is unconditional, is sacrificial. Unlike the lottery winner in the story, Jesus would be highly exalted by the Father, not by the luck of the draw, so to speak, but by his own determination to take our place as the lowest of human beings. Few people will plan to take the capital punishment due someone else, unless they love them very much. It is more often the stuff of movies. But God loved us so much that he became part of his own creation, and that alone shows love beyond our comprehension. And, and he calls us his family, promising to share his exalted glory with us in eternity. Yes, as we heard two weeks ago, John 3.16, God so loved the world. But this day, this week, the key is understanding that he doesn't just love people in general, and not anyone else either. He loves you. He doesn't say to any of us, no, 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 don't take this personally. Rather, for Jesus' death and resurrection, his forgiving your intentional and unintentional sins, his promise of new life daily and eternally, to have any meaning, the only thing you have to do is take it personally. Please remember that any response like that is an act of faith. And faith is a gift from God by grace alone. Maybe like the family in the story, you haven't called him up recently. Uh, maybe you've chafed when his answers didn't come as quickly as you desired. Maybe you didn't think he was really interested in all the daily ups and downs you may have. Or maybe you've had such turmoil in your family, you don't think he really wants to forgive all that. And yet by faith, you realize that none of that really does matter. Jesus died for the very people who were waving palm branches one day and calling for his crucifixion the next, as well as for all the priests that had been plotting against him. He died for all of them, and he died for you, and he died for me. And he asks what the lottery winner asked his family. What are you going to do with what I've given you? Sometimes we forget that our Lord didn't just give us an entrance into heaven at the end of our life here on earth. According to the epistle, we are free to have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That's present tense. The cosmic eternal salvation that Jesus' death and resurrection means for all people when any individual recognizes it, changes everything for him or her, including how that day, each day, is lived out. You see, it's a change of mind. The picture we see of Jesus this week is not our eternal God enthroned in glory, but it is the same God as Jesus, intentionally deciding to ignore the crowd's desires. Unconditionally, without complaint, stumbling and bleeding under the torture of the soldiers, 
and sacrificially dying for us in agony on the cross. He is the suffering servant of God. He is your servant suffering, doing all is necessary for you not to get what each of us deserves, but rather to eventually share in his eternal glory. So do take God's love personally, and then ask yourself, what are you going to do with it? How about using it intentionally? Determine simply because somebody needs something, unconditionally, in spite of how they may have treated you in the past, and sacrificially, giving up what you might do for yourself for their sake as you serve them. Whatever you see before you this day, whether it is a, a, a carefully planned, fine, faithful Christian goal and plan, or maybe a personal struggle, doubt, worry, burden, or even the uncertainty of COVID-19, you can be confident that your needs are being met by God. His loving answer has met the world's eternal need and yours this particular day as well. And so you are free, free to act in love. The Son of God was seen in Jesus by the centurion when Jesus had been separated from the Father in place of us. And we are now called children of God because nothing is left that can separate us from his great love. He has loved us to death. It is with eternal life assured that we can call out for help today. Hosanna, save Lord in our various circumstances. Jesus didn't die so that he might be exalted. He was dying to serve you. Take it personally and then go love someone in his name. In Jesus' name, amen.